Chapter 38 Come Rest a While This chapter is based on Matthew 14, 1, 2, 12, 13. Mark 6, 30-32 And Luke 9, 7-10 On returning from their missionary tour, the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus, and told Him all things, both what they had done, and what they had taught. And He said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place, and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. The disciples came to Jesus, and told Him all things. Their intimate relationship with Him encouraged them to lay before Him their favorable and unfavorable experiences, their joy at seeing results from their labors, and their sorrow at their failures, their faults, and their weaknesses. They had committed errors in their first work as evangelists, and as they frankly told Christ of their experiences, He saw that they needed much instruction. He saw, too, that they had become weary in their labors, and that they needed to rest. But where they then were, they could not obtain the needed privacy, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. The people were thronging after Christ, anxious to be healed, and eager to listen to His words. Many felt drawn to Him, for He seemed to them to be the fountain of all blessings. Many of those who then thronged about Christ to receive the precious boon of health accepted Him as their Savior. Many others, afraid then to confess Him because of the Pharisees, were converted at the descent of the Holy Spirit, and before the angry priests and rulers acknowledged Him as the Son of God. But now Christ longed for retirement, that He might be with His disciples, for He had much to say to them. In their work they had passed through the test of conflict, and had encountered opposition in various forms. Hitherto they had consulted Christ in everything, but for some time they had been alone, and at times they had been much troubled to know what to do. They had found much encouragement in their work, for Christ did not send them away without His Spirit, and by faith in Him they worked many miracles. But they needed now to feed on the bread of life. They needed to go to a place of retirement, where they could hold communion with Jesus, and receive instruction for future work. And He said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place, and rest a while. Christ is full of tenderness and compassion for all in His service. He would show His disciples that God does not require sacrifice, but mercy. They had been putting their whole souls into labor for the people, and this was exhausting their physical and mental strength. It was their duty to rest. As the disciples had seen the success of their labors, they were in danger of taking credit to themselves, in danger of cherishing spiritual pride, and thus falling under Satan's temptations. A great work was before them, and first of all they must learn that their strength was not in self, but in God. Like Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, like David among the hills of Judea, or Elijah by the brook Cherith, the disciples needed to come apart from the scenes of their busy activity, to commune with Christ, with nature, and with their own hearts. While the disciples had been absent on their missionary tour, Jesus had visited other towns and villages, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. 
It was about this time that he received tidings of the Baptist's death. This event brought vividly before him the end to which his own steps were leading. The shadows were gathering thickly about his path. Priests and rabbis were watching to compass his death. Spies hung upon his steps, and on every hand plots for his ruin were multiplying. News of the preaching of the apostles throughout Galilee reached Herod, calling his attention to Jesus and his work. This is John the Baptist, he said. He is risen from the dead. And he expressed a desire to see Jesus. Herod was in constant fear, lest a revolution might be secretly carried forward with the object of unseating him from the throne and breaking the Roman yoke for the Jewish nation. Among the people the spirit of discontent and insurrection was rife. It was evident that Christ's public labors in Galilee could not be long continued. The scenes of His suffering were drawing near, and He longed to be apart for a season from the confusion of the multitude. With saddened hearts the disciples of John had borne His mutilated body to its burial. Then they went and told Jesus. These disciples had been envious of Christ when He seemed to be drawing the people away from John. They had sided with the Pharisees in accusing Him when He sat with the publicans at Matthew's feast. They had doubted His divine mission because He did not set the Baptist at liberty. But now that their teacher was dead, and they longed for consolation in their great sorrow, and for guidance as to their future work, they came to Jesus, and united their interests with His. They too needed a season of quiet for communion with the Savior. Near Bethsaida, at the northern end of the lake, was a lonely region, now beautiful with the fresh green of spring, that offered a welcome retreat to Jesus and His disciples. For this place they set out, going in their boat across the water. Here they would be away from the thoroughfares of travel, and the bustle and agitation of the city. The scenes of nature were in themselves a rest, a change grateful to the senses. Here they could listen to the words of Christ without hearing the angry interruptions, the retorts and accusations of the scribes and Pharisees. Here they could enjoy a short season of precious fellowship in the society of their Lord. The rest which Christ and His disciples took was not self-indulgent rest. The time they spent in retirement was not devoted to pleasure-seeking. They talked together regarding the work of God and the possibility of bringing greater efficiency to the work. The disciples had been with Christ, and could understand Him. To them He need not talk in parables. He corrected their errors, and made plain to them the right way of approaching the people. He opened more fully to them the precious treasures of divine truth. They were vitalized by divine power, and inspired with hope and courage. Though Jesus could work miracles, and had empowered His disciples to work miracles, He directed His worn servants to go apart into the country and rest. When He said that the harvest was great, and the laborers were few, He did not urge upon His disciples the necessity of ceaseless toil, but said, Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. Matthew chapter 9, verse 38. God has appointed to every man His work, according to His ability, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. And He would not have a few weighted with responsibilities, while others have no burden, 
no travail of soul. Christ's words of compassion are spoken to His workers today just as surely as they were spoken to His disciples. Come ye yourselves apart, and rest a while. He says to those who are worn and weary, It is not wise to be always under the strain of work and excitement, even in ministering to men's spiritual needs. For in this way personal piety is neglected, and the powers of mind and soul and body are overtaxed. Self-denial is required of the disciples of Christ, and sacrifices must be made, but care must always be exercised, lest through their overzeal Satan take advantage of the weakness of humanity, and the work of God be marred. In the estimation of the rabbis, it was the sum of religion to be always in a bustle of activity. They depended upon some outward performance to show their superior piety. Thus they separated their souls from God, and built themselves up in self-sufficiency. The same dangers still exist. As activity increases, and men become successful in doing any work for God, there is danger of trusting to human plans and methods. There is a tendency to pray less, and to have less faith. Like the disciples, we are in danger of losing sight of our dependence on God and seeking to make a Savior of our activity. We need to look constantly to Jesus, realizing that it is His power which does the work. While we are to labor earnestly for the salvation of the lost, we must always take time for meditation, for prayer, and for the study of the Word of God. Only the work accomplished with much prayer, and sanctified by the merit of Christ, will in the end prove to have been efficient for good. No other life was ever so crowded with labor and responsibility as with that of Jesus. Yet how often He was found in prayer! How constant was His communion with God! Again and again in the history of His earthly life are found records such as these. Rising up a great while before day, He went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. Great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by Him of their infirmities. And He withdrew Himself into the wilderness, and prayed. And it came to pass in those days that He went out into a mountain to pray, and continued all night in prayer to God. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, and Luke chapter 6, verse 12. In a life wholly devoted to the good of others, the Savior found it necessary to withdraw from the thoroughfares of travel and from the throng that followed Him day after day. He must turn aside from a life of ceaseless activity and contact with human needs to seek retirement and unbroken communion with His Father. As one with us, a sharer in our needs and weaknesses, He was wholly dependent upon God, and in the secret place of prayer He sought divine strength, that He might go forth braced for duty and trial. In a world of sin, Jesus endured struggles and torture of soul. In communion with God, He could unburden the sorrows that were crushing Him. Here He found comfort and joy. In Christ, the cry of humanity reached the Father of infinite pity. As a man, He supplicated the throne of God till His humanity was charged 
with a heavenly current that should connect humanity with divinity. Through continual communion he received life from God, that he might impart life to the world. His experience is to be ours. Come ye yourselves apart, he bids us. If we would give heed to his word, we should be stronger and more useful. The disciples sought Jesus, and told Him all things, and He encouraged and instructed them. If today we would take time to go to Jesus, and tell Him our needs, we should not be disappointed. He would be at our right hand to help us. We need more simplicity, more trust and confidence in our Savior. He whose name is called the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, He of whom it is written, the government shall be upon His shoulder, is the wonderful Counselor. We are invited to ask wisdom of Him. He giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and James chapter 1, verse 5. In all who are under the training of God is to be revealed a life that is not in harmony with the world, its customs, or its practices, and everyone needs to have a personal experience in obtaining a knowledge of the will of God. We must individually hear Him speaking to the heart. When every other voice is hushed, and in quietness we wait before Him, the silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. He bids us, Be still, and know that I am God. Psalms 46, verse 10. Here alone can true rest be found, and this is the effectual preparation for all who labor for God. Amid the hurrying throng and the strain of life's intense activities, the soul that is thus refreshed will be surrounded with an atmosphere of light and peace. The life will breathe out fragrance and will reveal a divine power that will reach men's hearts.